Hey, Cowboy Junction. Man, I don't know what to do after that intro. Are y'all like nervous? It's like, oh man, what's Carlos about to tell me? You know, no, that is good, Ty. I, um, th- that is the beautiful thing with, with uh, my relationship with Ty is that we, uh, um, we do this thing called friendship. And he is, he's one of my closest friends. Uh, in ministry and in life, and uh, I lean into him for a lot of things as we're you know, navigating, as Jesus followers, uh, navigating a complicated world. Uh, and it's my reminder to everybody that the world has always been complicated. It's my reminder to everybody that everyone that says, oh, it's never been this bad. Can we rewind 300 years? There's no one walking down my street with swords chopping my head off. Um, there, th- things have been bad and things will get bad again. Um, but we have our hope in Jesus Christ. That is the unifying force. The blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the unifying message for every believer, for all of us. So we may stand on different sides of whatever issues or whatever thing, but if we've got the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we are for each other. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm here to, yes, lean into that conversation a little bit. Um, my new book is called How to Human. Um, and I use Jesus as the thread because although he's, Jesus is the son of God, he came, he died, he rose again. He also came in human form. And so as we navigate, how do, how do we do this human thing well? I think we can look at the humanity of Jesus as well as the divinity of Jesus. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do that for, for just a little bit. Um, and, and I, I love, I love coming to Hobbs, New Mexico. I mean, I really do. Like, I love it. Every time I fly into like, your airport is the smallest, cleanest, cutest thing. Can an airport be cute? Cause it's cute. It, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like I wish now Na- I live in Nashville, Tennessee. It takes me forever to get through that thing, man. I mean, I hop in and out. You don't even have to get to your airport until like five minutes before your plane leaves. It's the most beautiful thing. I wish I could have that all the time. But I I told Ty when he picked me up last night, I was like, this this is so awesome every time I come. Uh, And we just, we've had some great conversations even today, you know, driving around. Um, Just as, you know, I feel, I feel called in this season to, to have out loud complicated conversations in grace-filled ways. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the piece that a lot of Christians, I'm trying to get them to understand how to have these conversations in grace-filled ways. The fruit of the Spirit. Ready? We know them. You probably learned a kid song about it at one point. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 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 sorry, did I repeat? Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow. I mean, I could probably put the mic down and leave now. There it is. How many conversations are we entering as Christians, as followers of Jesus, around people that may not be Christians, where we're filled with love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I didn't make those words up. They're literally in the Bible. 
And scripture says that we will know them by their, oh, dang it. So you're telling me that I'm going to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ if I am filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But Carlos, do you know what that guy said? Do you know what he believes? That puts some righteous anger up inside of me, yeah? And you can be angry as long as you display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we have a model on how to do that, and his name is Jesus. So we don't have to figure it out ourselves. You don't have to like, like figure out like, okay, I've, I've got to take like, a, like a, a fruit of the spirit course. It's $9.99. I'm going to take it, and after four modules, I'm going to learn how to do this. No, because can I tell you something? You can't pull this off. There's not a single person in here or watching online right now that can pull off the fruit of the spirit on your own. You can't do it. But what you can do is die to your own emotions, die to yourself, be crucified with Christ, and allow Christ to live through you. And when Christ lives through you, all the fruit of the Spirit is going to spill all over the people that you can't stand. It's going to happen. And it's beautiful. You know, um, we, 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 we fumble as humans. We, we mess up, right? We're, we're not perfect. We're not God. We're, we're human. And... Uh, we, we, we mess up. We try our hardest. I try my hardest to be a great Christian. I try my hardest to um, do everything that I, I feel like the Bible tells me to do. Um, and, but I just mess up. Anyone in here mess up with their humanity on a daily basis? Okay. The rest of you are liars. Okay. Now listen. Listen. I, I do. I mean, I have a great example of this. Like, trying to be a great Christian human. I, I, was, uh, I, I, I was, where was I? I was at Charlotte Airport. And um, I walk in. And uh, don't put up this picture until I call, call for it. But I, I walk into the airport and I see um, like a, like a, I don't know, like uh, it was American Airlines um, gate agent looking really stressed out. And there was, a, there was a woman with her hands on her head looking down. And immediately I was like, oh my gosh, like something's wrong. And this woman's like, like pacing like this back and forth. And they're kind of behind a counter. And I see the woman, the gate agent, get down and start, like, like working. Like, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like somebody has had a heart attack. So I do what I think a good Christian human should do, and I start praying. I'm like, I'm, nobody's dying under my watch. Like, I am praying. So I start praying the blood of the cross, the power of the resurrection, in the name of Jesus. I command whoever is hurting right now, I command their body to be healed in the name of Jesus. I declare healing in the name of Jesus. Heal their heart. And, and this woman is behind the counter, this American Airlines worker, just like working on whoever it is. And I'm like, not, not this morning, God. And I'm getting closer, and I'm praying, and I'm pleading in the name of Jesus. And I'm getting louder as I'm praying, louder as I'm praying. And I get, I get about 10 feet away from where they're working on this person in the, in the and she Jesus down, and I get closer, and I think we've got a photo that I gave you of what I saw. She was trying to close a suitcase. A suitcase. I prayed for 30 seconds for a suitcase. I am like, pray. That is the most blessed suitcase on planet Earth. That suitcase will never break a zipper in its entire life. 
But you know, it's funny because like, I, I, like just my humanness just messes up all the time. We try our hardest. We try our hardest, but we're never going to get this thing perfect. And, and, and these are, this is just an example of like how sometimes we can go all in believing one thing, but we round the corner and it's something else. Right? You, you, you can believe something is happening and you get close enough and oops, maybe it's not exactly what I thought that it was. We're going to lean into uh, the book of Acts, if you have your Bible, chapter 8. And I love this scripture. You've got uh, one, a follower of Jesus, and his name is Philip. And Philip is, okay, so th- this is obviously, this is after Jesus has been crucified, rose again. we got a follower of Jesus. So that's kind of where we're sitting. And, and you've got Philip, and he's hanging out at home. And this is going to be the scripture that's going to teach us and lead us how to human tonight. Okay, so let's read this. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. I like this TV thing, Ty. I can get used to this. It's pretty cool. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and he went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet of Isaiah Isaiah out loud. And then it continues. The spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, we so he does not open his mouth. And it continues. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So this Ethiopian is reading a story of Jesus. The eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about? Himself or another person? So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning from that scripture. Then it said, when he came up out of the water, the spirit told Philip, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer, but he went on his way rejoicing. So we've got Philip, a disciple of Jesus, who was told to get up from his house, to go down to this road, he goes to the road, he sees an Ethiopian in a chariot, and he, he's told to go up to the chariot, and then he, he talks to the guy, and the guy's like, I don't know what I'm reading, then he leads him to Jesus. So this is like a great example of what we're called to do. Now, let's break this down. Let's break it down. The first step in how to human, two words. I want you to repeat after me. Be human. Everyone in the room say, be human. Be human. Okay, we were created to be fully human. What does that really mean? And how did Philip do this? Well, the first thing for us to really get this how to human thing down pat, we have got to get to the place where in our humanity, we can hear the voice of God. 
Every single human being watching online or in this room right now can actually hear from God, all of us. And if we're not hearing from God as we navigate this complicated culture, we're going to mess up left and right. But if we slow down enough to hear the voice of God, we're going to be able to pull this off a lot better. So the first step in being human is literally to slow down. Everyone in the room say, slow down. You said it too fast. Slow down. Even the speed at which I am talking right now is driving all of you crazy. Speed up, Carlos. Hurry up. Let's get to the point. No, 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 no. Can we go back to the top of that scripture? Watch this. It says, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Here we go. At the very beginning of the story, Philip had to do what? Yeah, two things. He had to hear from God. It said an angel of the Lord spoke to him. He had to hear from God. And then it said he had to do what? Someone else said it. Get up. Which means he's probably chilling. He was, he was relaxing. He wasn't like, I don't know. I, I, all I know is he was laying down and he had to get up. And I just think to myself, what a great picture. If, you, if you're having a hard time hearing the voice of God, why don't you Stop. Stop doing so much. Slow down. When you slow down and when you lower the volume of life, I've said this before here, the volume of God goes up. If you're having, comp having a hard time navigating some complicated relationships and you're trying to figure out, Lord, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to handle this? Step one is to slow down. Lower the volume of life so that the volume of God begins to boom and explode in your life. I, I literally, I, I need everybody to really understand this. Every single person in here can, and I think last time I came here, I may have spoke on this, can literally hear the voice of God. It is so important. Somebody believes that. It is so important that you all understand this. That when you ask God a question, he will answer you. It literally, like, like we can't, I can't pull this off. Ty and I can't have these complicated conversations about socioeconomic issues in our country if I'm not hearing from God. If I'm just hearing from, like, my own gut and, like, what I believe and my opinions, we, we'll stop being friends. Oh, but you know what binds us is we both hear the voice of God. And that is the unifying factor, and that is what needs to be unifying in the church this is the greatest hour for the church. This is the church's greatest hour. This is Cowboy Junction Church's greatest hour. The community out there is waiting for a, 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 a church that is ready to walk out this door, hear the voice of God, and be the fruit of the Spirit to every non-believer out there. It's so important that we hear the voice of God. And if you're not hearing, I know a lot of people don't. I didn't for a long time. Slow down. Slow down. Please, please have God say, get up. Please have God say, get up. 
Have your friends be like, why are you so relaxed? Because I'm waiting to hear the voice of God. The spirit, that angel literally said, get up and go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And I love it. It it didn't say, so Philip prayed a little harder. So Philip called his pastor. No, it said, so Philip got up and went. Literally, get up. So he got up and he went. And he went down to the road. So we've got to learn to slow down. I'm telling you, the, the, we are being discipled. Far too many Christians are being discipled by, like, podcast hosts. Can I just be honest? We, we are being discipled by media outlets. We're being discipled by a lot of people with, honestly, great opinions but we're spending the majority of our time listening to them instead of the word of God, which is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword or any like quick tweet that your favorite podcast host will send. Am I stepping on any toes yet? Because I'm stepping on my own toes. I, I, I will email, email Ty. Okay, don't email me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Okay. I'm just telling you that, that, that literally we've got to learn to hear from God more than we hear. Listen, I know, like, there, there's, there's very important things that our country is going through. Very important th- subject matters that are very important. But I just want the church to be getting our direction from the word of God. Like, like this, is, this is where we got to go to and from the voice of God. I, I, don't, I don't believe that... We're going to be able to slow down unless we make some drastic choices which what we're, with what we're consuming on a daily basis. Like, I don't want to blame something, but let's blame something. Okay. <clears throat> the average American spends five and a half hours a day consuming content from this. Can you imagine if the average Christian spent five and a half hours a day consuming the Word of God? Can you imagine can you imagine? Oh, I, I can't because I don't do it. It's so easy. But I don't believe that our souls and our psyche were created with the capacity to consume the amount of content we consume. Uh, literally, we were not created for that. I don't believe that our souls and our psyche were created with the capacity to consume the amount of content we consume on a daily basis. So how do we get to the point where Philip was chilling, laying down, and the angel told him to get up? Well... I mean, let's just get real practical for a second on the be human piece. This is what I, did, I, I had to do a year ago. This was the craziest. I mean, it actually was like life-changing for me. I put my phone charger in the kitchen. And I no longer took this to bed. Can I tell you what I did? I drove to Target. And I bought this thing called an alarm clock. <laughs> Ever heard of that? It's the craziest thing. All it does is tell me what time it is, and with a really annoying beep in the morning, wake me up. And when I pick it up, I don't, like, start, like, rubbing its face. It doesn't make me angry because of what it's telling me. It just makes me angry because the sound it makes. The, 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 there was a study done that shows that the amount of content that a, a, the average American consumes, the first 15 minutes they're awake. It's going to blow your mind. 
It's a Harvard study. The average amount of content, because we use our phones as our alarm clocks. Because a lot of, most people, we wake up and, oh, ESPN, oh, Twitter, oh, you know, whatever news it is. And you're reading it. And you're, the average amount of content that the average American consumes in the first 15 minutes they're awake is more than my great-grandparents consumed in a month. Wow. We weren't created for that. So I bought an alarm clock. I uninstalled Twitter off my phone because it just makes me angry. I still love the news. I'm very passionate about a lot of issues. So you know what I did? How I consumed my news? I ordered this thing called a newspaper. It's the craziest thing in the world. You've never, you've never heard of one before? Every morning, I don't know who drives by my house in their Trans Am at 5 in the morning, but some dude just throws it out in my yard. And I wake up like leave it to Beaver, and I walk out with my coffee and my robe, and I pick up my paper, and I read my newspaper. And there's really important things that I want to learn about in the world that's happening in the world. But when I'm done reading it in the paper, I don't know what's going to happen in the world until the next morning. <gasps> no. Yeah. Because I realized that our souls were not created to consume what we're consuming. They are making us not human. Oh. That was so cool. Thanks, Brady, for that moment. They weren't. What, what can you do, right? How can you slow down so that you can lower the volume of life and the volume of God can go up? Buy an alarm clock, stop taking your phone to bed. Order a subscription to a newspaper so you can still get what's important to you, but you're not consuming it all day long. I mean, uh, something else simple. Like I now, almost every single time I drink my coffee, I have a rule now. If I order coffee, I will always drink it out of a ceramic mug. Never to go. Never. If, if we don't have enough time to stop wherever we're ordering our coffee for three minutes and drink it and savor it, my coffee tastes so much better out of a ceramic mug. When I, when I was in Europe, I was in Italy uh, a year and a half ago with my family. We would like, um, we stopped at gas stations. And the very first gas station on a long, long road trip, Heather's like, hey, yeah, go get me a coffee, bring in the car. So I went to get her coffee. And there were all these Young and old people sitting in the gas station next to the cappuccino machine, sipping their cappuccinos out of ceramic mugs. I was like, what are these people doing? And all of a sudden I was like, they're just savoring this moment. They're slowing down. There's so many things we can do to slow down. Those are just a few examples. But when we begin to slow down, we will begin to hear the voice of God. I promise you. You'll be able to hear it. And then he's going to tell you, the voice of God is going to tell you to do some things you don't want to do. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Go down there. So he says he got up and he went. Then it says there was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her treasury. He'd come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah out loud. Okay, so... The Lord tells Philip, get up and go down to the road. I, I, can't, I mean, just imagine, put yourself in Philip's shoes for a second. He's like, what? God, what are you doing? Like, I was relaxing. I was watching the game, chilling out. I'm at the road. What do you want me to do? Oh, oh, here's a dude coming down in a chariot. See, 
the be human piece is so we can hear the voice of God. Step two, after be human, everyone repeat after me, see humans. You want to learn a human, you got to be human, then you got to see humans. The only way to see humans is to hear the voice of God, obey what he says, go to where he says to go, and then see who he's directed you to. Let's dive into who Philip saw. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a high official of Candace. This is all we need to know. Hanging out in a chariot. Ready? This was a, hang on, everybody. It's going to be okay, I promise. This was a black man, because he's from Ethiopia. I'm just doing the math. Okay. Who was a eunuch. Can I tell you what a eunuch was? A eunuch was a castrated sexual deviant from the rest of society. Riding in a chariot. So you're telling me that Philip follows the voice of God and he goes and he sees someone that is, doesn't look like him, doesn't love like him, and doesn't live like him. Riding in a chariot. A black castrated man with a lot of money. And Philip's probably like, okay, God, what do I do now? Like that dude, that dude I, 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 got, I got nothing like that guy. Like we have nothing in relation with each other. Oh, man. Here's the see human piece. Ready? He's wondering. He sees the Ethiopian sitting in his chariot on his way home. The spirit told Philip. Oh, this is the second time that God spoke to Philip. See how important it is to hear the voice of God? It's not just step one, go. Step two, dang it, this is where it gets more uncomfortable. The spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. Oh. I told you, this isn't my idea. This is what the Bible says. Go join the chariot. Now, Philip's like, but God, isn't it good enough to just stand here on the side of the road and go, Jesus loves you. I'm a good Christian. I'm screaming that Jesus loves. In order to see somebody as a follower of Christ, we can't stand on the other side of the road and scream, Jesus loves you. You have to go join the chariot. You have to get close. Proximity matters. You see, when, when I say see humans, for me, for the longest time, I thought, well, God, okay, you know what I'll do? I'm going to pull out my spiritual binoculars. Oh, I can see him. Yeah, I can see, I can see him. But then, you guys ever, I, I just started hunting a few years ago, so I've, I've got like my little, my little thing that I look through. What's that thing called? <laughs> Binocular. <laughs> So I, I, see, I see the deer, right? I see the white-tailed deer, and I'm like looking, and I'm like, oh. And I, I got it, right? You got it. With binoculars, you can see something real clearly that's really far away. It's awesome. What a great tool. But it's a horrible tool to actually, like, have that thing see you, right? Because you can see somebody else with, with spiritual binoculars far away. But that's not the point. The point is for them to feel seen, now, I don't want that deer to feel seen, right? I'm trying for it to not, but guess what? If that thing gets up for a second and just takes one step to the right, I'm like, oh. It takes me five freaking minutes to find the deer again, and it only moved like a foot. But that's the problem with spiritual binoculars. 
We're not called to see people through binoculars. We're called to see people by going and joining the chariot. Going and seeing them. You've got to join it. But Carlos, you don't know the chariot God's asking me to go up to. Listen, there's a lot of chariots the last three years that we can't stand. Oh, I know the chariots. We got, let me just name some. We got, last couple years, we got Black Lives Matter chariots. I'm not going to that one, Carlos. You don't even know. We got Blue Lives Matter chariots. Oh, Carlos, I'm not going to that one. You don't even understand. We had, we had vaccine chariots. We had mask chariots. We had all the chariots. Can I tell you something? God himself is calling every believer to walk up to chariots of people that don't look like you, think like you, love like you, vote like you. That is the call of the Christian. How in the world is anybody going to know the love of God if we're pointing a finger at them and calling them the enemy? Can I tell you, a human being is not the enemy. There's a real enemy that is prowling around like a roaring lion ready to devour and destroy. But that person, we, myself included, points fingers at is not the enemy. They may be underneath and overwhelmed by the enemy, but they're not the enemy. They're a child of God that deserves and needs love poured radically over them. And I know it's hard. It's actually impossible. Those chariots... I mean, I don't know, Philip's probably like, man, what if somebody sees me by this dude's chariot? What if one of my friends that knows that I'm nothing like this chariot, dude, sees me standing by the chariot? So what? We're not called to please other people that are judging us. We are called to love other people like Jesus. And the only way to do that is to go and join the chariot. Let me tell you something. There are real issues. I, be, I, I know these are real issues that matter to us. There's real issues that our chariots are very important. I mean, there's very important chariots that we've built and we ride in. I got some chariots myself that I believe in and I ride in. Let me tell you a story of joining a chariot, something that radically changed me. As a black man that lives in the South, I'm just be straight. 2020 was rough. It was rough for me. Out of the 12 times that I've been called the N-word in Nashville, Tennessee in the last seven years. Every single time was, almost every single time was at a gas station by an individual that they all looked the same. They, they really all began to look the same to me. They all kind of had the same look. They, they all, uh, I mean, I'll just, I'll just be straight with you. We, we've built a trusting relationship. Every single time I've been called the N-word in Nashville, Tennessee was by an older white gentlemen with an American flag on their torso or their bumper or something like that. So can I tell you what that did to me? As the son of a first-generation immigrant that loves this country, loves my flag, loves everything about who the, the United States is, what the United States is to me, it created real trauma in me. So I kind of get triggered every single time. Right? This is just reality, right? Like we all have like our biases are all created by real circumstances in our life. So I had a bias in my life about old white southern dudes with country accents and flags on their torso. Because they had wounded me. I literally had go home N-word written on my truck when I went fly fishing eight months ago. So this is real for me. Real trauma. And so when we moved into our neighborhood, um, I, I, I like went and met, 
this was probably six, seven years ago now, I went and met all our neighbors. And we were the only non-white family that lived on, on our street. And so I went and met all my neighbors. Everyone was so nice, except this one dude across the street from me. Every time I tried to wave at this old white man, I was like, he's like, kind of look me up and down and just, you know, get his mail and go on with his day. So for months I tried. Nothing. So guess what I did? I created a story in my head about this dude. He had a big old American flag on his door. He looked just like every old dude that had called me the N-word. And so I created a story about who this man was. And I said, I'm done. So five years go, five years go by. This man lives like from me to the camera. One day, summer 2020, June of 2020 exactly, I see old crotchety white dude come out. And, and he's got these two porcelain bunnies in his front yard. And you know like those kind of white porcelain statues that your grandma has in her backyard? You guys know what I'm talking about. And so he walks out in front of, and he has a can of paint. And he kneels down in front of these, one of these bunnies, and he opens this can of paint. I'm like, what is this weird old dude doing? And he dips that paintbrush in the can of paint, and he pulls it out, and it's black. And he starts painting one of the bunnies black. And I'm like, what? Is it like World War II paint your bunny black day? Like, what's happening? Like, I don't get it. Like, what's going on? He paints the bunny black, and I'm like, what's this man doing? And then so I'm waiting for him to paint the other bunny black, but he doesn't. He picks up his can of paint, and he walks back in his house. I was like, that was weird. So I go in, and I was like, babe, weird dude across the street just painted his bunny black. Do, do you know why? And this is what my wife said to me. Why don't you go ask him? Guess it never occurred to me that actually I could walk across the road and go up to his chariot. I didn't want to. Because men that looked like that had wounded me. Real wounds. So, but I did. And I'll, I'll be honest. I pulled my phone out and started recording. 2020, I just was recording every interaction I had, right? <laughs> so I'm recording. I walk up to it, and I was like, hey, my, my name's Carlos. I live across the street. Like, he didn't know. But I was like, I, he's like, and he goes, Hi, Carlos. My name's James. I've only lived here since 1964. And I was like, wait, wait, stop being nice to me. I don't need you to be nice to me right now. He's ruining my story. I go, so I saw you paint that bunny black. Can you tell me why? He goes, oh, Carlos. He goes, with everything that's going on in this country. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm old. He's like, I'm too scared to, like, leave my house to do something. So I thought this was a really good way for me to, to, to tell someone like you that your life matters to me. And so I just thought, I, I could have painted them both black, but I thought I'd just paint the tall one black. And I just was like, what? All of my bias came crumbling down in a single moment when I went and joined his chariot. And let me show you that interaction so you can actually see what happened. Watch this. Black Bunny. 
Oh, I've always seen these, and I wanted to come over and say, well, wh why'd you paint that one black? I think with the motivation of what's going on in yeah. the country, yeah. I wanted to gently... Yeah, that was beautiful. I literally saw that while I was mowing my grass, and I started to cry. And there's this thing called racial bias that I'm trying to help my friends understand that they have. Whereas, you know, someone like me that travels full-time for a living will normally have a bias that says, oh look, it's an older white gentleman with an American flag up on his door that my bias automatically says, oh, he may not like me. And I just wanted to tell you that, that I am so grateful and that I apologize if I ever assumed anything because that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Well, <laughs> uh, when I was growing up, for some reason my mother, hired a uh, black lady to keep the house up. Yeah. Laundry, food, cooking. Yeah. yeah. Raise me, all of that stuff. Yeah. And she was a black lady. Was yeah. A servant. Yeah. Yeah. And she taught me how to do everything. Yeah. And I never felt any indifference. Uh, wow. For her. Yeah. And for blacks. Sure. So, you know, I don't, I, I could do more. I, was, I could paint them both black. I just said I'd rather have one. I love that. It was, it was, it was so good. Poor James was just living his best retired life, and I came intruding. That video, I asked him later, I was like, hey, can I put the, that video on Instagram? He's like, well, it's Instagram. I was like, okay, let me do it. And then I did it, and then it went viral. And like the, <laughs> like the next morning, I was like, hey, James, can you come over? Because Access Hollywood wants you to uh, be interviewed. He's like, huh? And then we were like on all the shows together. But James and I are like this tight now. And um, it never would have happened had I not gone and joined his chariot. We, we all, every one of us has bias in here. We all have it. You all have it. I, I have more I got to get, get through. Um, but when James said, you know, I, I edited the video down, but he told me that this black woman that raised him because his parents were working taught him how to read, taught him how to write, taught him how to brush his teeth, taught him how to, like, I had built a story about an individual I didn't even know because of previous experiences I'd had. As followers of Christ, we're called to go and join the chariot. And I know it's going to be hard. I know. But we're called to do that. And I would love to end the message with, that's it. Uh, go, go find the chariots and join the chariots, Christians. But unfortunately, there's one more step. Hmm. You see, if we go back to the scripture and uh, Philip, um, it's the spirit told Philip, go and join the chariot. When Philip ran up to it, I, I love that. Again, this is twice. I feel like Philip's like, God says, move, and he runs. So now Philip's up to the chariot of the person that doesn't look like him, think like him, vote like him, all the other things like him. He's right next to him. Here we go. Ready? Um, when Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? Because now, now he sees him, he's close enough to have a conversation with him. That's the whole point. And the Ethiopian says, how can I unless someone guides me? Here we go. Ready? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. We are not called 
to just go to the road and see the chariot. We are not called to just go up to the chariot. We actually have to get in the chariot. Carlos, the last thing you asked me to do was impossible. Yeah. That's why we can't do it in our own strength. Get in the chariot. Guess what? When he got in the chariot, he led him to Jesus. He didn't lead him to Jesus until he got in the chariot. Friends, I know, I know how impossible it is, but we are literally called as followers of Christ to get inside of the chariots of those that we vehemently disagree with. Can I tell you something? By getting in the chariot, let me understand this. That does not mean that you're turning your back on your values, but it means that you're turning your heart towards a human. That's what we're called to do. I like to say it this way especially with the James situation. We don't stand on issues. We walk with people. Don't stand. People ask me all the time, Carlos, where do you stand on this issue? I go, I don't. I I don't stand on an issue. I walk with people. Standing on something, there's not a lot of movement that happens. But when you walk, so Ty and I, all the time, I don't stand on issues with Ty. I walk with him, and I hear him, and I learn. Don't stand on issues. Walk with people is a great way for the next step to happen. Be human. See humans. The last step, everyone repeat after me, free humans. What good is it just to walk with somebody to be friends if you're not leading them towards freedom in some way, shape, or form? That's the goal. We're not just called just to ho-hum and have like a cozy America again. Everyone just gets along. No. The point is to lead people towards freedom. And we've got freedom. I believe 100% that the blood of the cross is going to be the thing that frees this country. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Not our opinions, but the power of Christ. We are called to free people. But you can't free somebody until you get awkwardly climbing up in that chariot. And, and, and it's hard. We don't want to do it. There, there's a, um, um, I live in Nashville, and th- there's, there's a guy I follow on Twitter. So I like to follow people that believe differently than I do because I like to learn um, about issues and different points of view. And there's this one guy that's just really mean on Twitter. Like just, you know, there's like professional mean people. And this guy's like so mean. But I'm like, but he, he, he's very knowledgeable about things. But I, I like don't agree with anything this dude said. But says, but like I follow him. And so he's like professional mean dude. Well, him and his family moved to Nashville last year. And I remember thinking, oh, I can't believe mean dude lives in Nashville now. This is horrible. Like, whatever. Like, I hate to run into this guy. Well, my wife and I are like on our anniversary dinner and we're sitting in a sushi restaurant in Nashville and mean, professional mean dude walks up and sits in the next booth. And I was like, it's like, and Heather's like, what are you doing? I was like, no, that guy has like 2 million followers on Twitter. He's so mean. Heather's like, oh, you follow? I was like, yes, but he's so mean. She goes, okay, mister, don't stand on issues. Walk with people. It's always my wife, man. She's like, the floor is yours. I didn't want to do it. 
But I, I, I was like, oh. so I'm so nervous. I'm flush. I get up and I walk up to him. I was like, hi, my name's Carlos. And he, you know, he kind of smiles like, you know, like I was a fan coming up to him. And I was like, and he was with his wife. And I was like, hey, so listen, like, I, I don't, like, I actually don't agree with anything you believe. <laughs> and he's like, and his wife starts laughing. And I was like, but, but listen, like, I follow you on Twitter because, like, I'm, uh, like you, you're a good teacher and I've learned a lot. But, but like, I, I, anyway, I just want to say, like, welcome to town. You know, um, you know, like, here's a couple recommendations. I gave him some restaurants. And I was like, you know, uh, if you need a mechanic, I gave him my mechanic. And I was like, so just, anyway, w- welcome to town. And th- literally his jaw is like. And so I said, um, anyway, have a great meal. just want to say hi and welcome you to Nashville. So we get back to the table and then I tell the waitress. Um, okay. No, my wife tells the waitress. Um, my husband wants to pay for his meal. I was like, who's your husband? Like, <laughs> so I, I pay for the dude's meal, I, but I leave. Don't tell him until I, I said, don't pay until we leave. So um, we leave. Well, that night on Twitter, professional mean dude literally tweets, OMG, you'll never believe what happened. This blankety blank voting dude walks up to me. His name's Carlos. And he says, I don't agree with anything you say, but welcome to town. And then he paid for my meal. And I just want to let you know, my faith in humanity has been restored. So, Carlos, whoever you are, thank you. Literally, his followers were making fun of him for being nice. They're like, dude, this is way too nice for you. Well, immediately my phone starts blowing up. And my friends, I got a lot of friends that follow him that agree with everything he says. My friends are like, screenshot, is this you? <laughs> this has to be you. There's not another Carlos in Nashville that would have done this. And I was like, it was actually Heather. <laughs> Come to find out, his wife finds out who I am, DMs me on Twitter and just said, just thank you so much. The fact that we stand on opposite sides of a lot of things and you would do that meant the world to me and him. Um, I just found out you're an author. You didn't even tell us who you were, that people know you. So I just bought all your books. I subscribed to your podcast. And she now listens every single week to everything I have to say. Don't stand on issues. Walk with people. Get in the chariot. Get in the chariot. I've had three lunches with this new friend of mine. And guess what? When we have lunch, we don't try to convince each other of our opinions on things. We talk about Nashville SC Soccer Club. We talk about our kids. And we're just human together. And I just believe that it is truly the call of every believer at Cowboy Junction Church to go hear from God, go up to the chariots that he calls you to, and then do the impossible thing, but get in the chariot. Amen? Lord, I pray right now. I just ask you right now that you supernaturally, if, if there has been um, anything this evening that has uh, maybe poked and prodded us to um, lean into and hear from you, to go up to some spaces that maybe we've not wanted to go to because of how we feel, may you surpass our emotions And may you supernaturally give us the supernatural agape love of God to truly see people and then free people. 
Lord, I know. I, I, I just, I, I can feel it in the room right now. Your spirit is moving. And I just ask very specifically that you lead us to the spaces we need to walk into. And may we be the hands and feet of Jesus. May we get close enough to the people to touch them with your hands and your feet. And if we can't even hear you, Lord, I pray that your loud voice booms in our hearts so that we can begin to hear you again. For it is by the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection that every person in this room said amen. Thank you, guys. Good job. <laughs>